Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Good morning and welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morris and by this point, I don't think I am any longer a a guest of the show uh, on Thursdays. I guess of the past two weeks now, uh, I'll be taking over Thursdays, and on Tuesdays, I'm in here with Chris. So let's get on with our reading. We are in Romans chapter 4. We finished out uh, verses 9 through 12 yesterday, and today we'll be reading verses 13 through 22. So let's read together. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs. For if it is the inheritance of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. A really cool passage here. Uh, I'm excited that uh, we get to study it together today. So Paul's argument from uh, verses 1 through 12 need clarification. Um, I'm, I'm going to skip our recap. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to recap four chapters in like five seconds, so I won't even try. What you need to do is just go back and listen to our other podcasts uh, from this study. So Paul's argument in verses 1 through 12 needs a little bit of clarification. If uh, Abraham's uh, righteousness was counted to him because of his, his faith— um, that means it came before the law. That means it didn't come through the law. So why did the law come, and what is its purpose? Now, this is a line of argumentation that won't be fully developed here. Paul loves to introduce ideas and and get you thinking about them before he really dives into it. This particular idea he will not dive into until uh, chapter 7, really. And there he, he gives it full attention. Here, though, it's it's argued in in a different way, possibly argued more in the negative. In the sense, this is what I mean. There's there's two points being brought up here. One, and again, this is kind of answering the question: Why did the law come, and what is its purpose? What is its connection to the promise? Did the promise come through the law? And this is Paul's point here, or two points. One, the promise came before the law, so clearly it's not through the law. Okay, that that should. Uh, be a, 
a, a, a logical enough statement that we understand it. Uh, Moses's law did not come uh, until way, 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 way later. Uh, Abraham's promises came before the law. Uh, that way, uh, it should be easily deduced that the promise did not come through the law. It is not attached to the law. Okay, point two. Promise stands on the opposite side in the ledger of God. See, promise, grace, and faith are all on one side with works, law, and sin standing on the other. If we can imagine this ledger, two separate pages on the left side, promise, grace, faith. On the right side, works, law, sin. If these two are in opposition to one another, clearly one didn't come through the other. Promise has, has come to us despite the law. Uh, the law came for a different purpose, which is something that Paul will address here. Uh, in verse 13, uh, although the original blessing that uh, Paul is referring, referring back to in, in Genesis uh, were, gives the wording of the blessing and does say lands and not world, Paul is still accurate here in verse 13 in saying heir of the world. It, it is accurate. See, Paul is thinking not of Genesis 12 or Genesis 15. He's thinking of Genesis 22, 17 through 18, where all the nations of the world will be blessed through your seed, speaking to Abraham. And Jewish teaching uh, around uh, the first century uh, had already taken land uh, to refer to an eschatological fulfillment. And while we may disagree uh, with our first century uh, Jewish brothers uh, about what this eschatological fulfillment looked like, uh, I think we could agree on the point that we know this to not be physical land. It is this world. It's this life to come. So to determine who is the heir of Abraham and why they are the heir of Abraham is to say who has a place in this world to come and how is it that they do so. Paul, again, is answering three more questions. He keeps bringing up these questions. He's going to answer them. Who is the heir of Abraham? Why are they the heir of Abraham? And how is it that they have this place in the world to come through this inheritance? Um, this, in verse 13, this also doesn't conflict with the blessing uh, that comes through the seed. Uh, I know, we know that that comes to Abraham after his circumcision, after his sacrifice of Isaac, this promise of the seed, um, and it is this dual fulfillment, the seed actually being promised to Abraham is Christ. So the blessing uh, comes to Gentiles and, and Jews through Christ. And as stated, Paul's thinking is that uh, this promise falls within the sphere of grace. And if, if these heirs had been heirs based on works, based on the law, uh, then, then the promise would actually be nullified. But because it is based in grace, um, it, it's not a, con a contractual agreement. It, it's a gift. If it had been based on works, based on law, based on what you were capable of doing in your self-righteousness, it would have been a contractual agreement and, not, and the promise that was made to Abraham would have been nullified. But that's just not the case. That's... Uh, a much less eloquent way <laughs> of arguing what Paul is saying there in verses 14 and 15. But he needs more argue, uh, more evidence for this argument still. So in verse 15, he's going to continue this. 
And in verse 15, again, I'll read it, for the law brings wrath, but there is no, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Uh, it kind of shows Paul's belief that the law turns sin into transgression. Uh, the differentiation between sin and transgression might need to be brought up, though. Sin looks like this uh, kind of blanket disregard, disobedience to God. Uh, anyone can be disobedient to God. Transgression, though, comes when uh, I tell you what you actually did was wrong. You may have not known, but if I approached you and said, hey, this was your sin, that sin is now your transgression. It is held to you in a, in a more significant way because you know what you've done. You are aware of it. Thus, you are all the more accountable when the wrath of God descends. That isn't to say, though, that sin, that sin, just because it's not a transgression, is forgotten. That's what Paul picks up in chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. Sin is sin. And whether one knows what the sin was that they committed doesn't make them any worse off or any better than the one who has committed a sin in general. That might be confusing and not even worth getting into, but it is interesting that Paul kind of is, is trying to bring that imagery up, the, the wrath that is deserved because of transgression and not just sin. We have the law. We know what is right and wrong, but we continue to live out what is wrong. In verses 16 through 18, uh, Paul picks up uh, something that maybe I mentioned earlier, uh, where promise, grace, and faith are linked together, right? Yeah, we did bring that up with the ledger uh, kind of imagery. Promise, grace, and faith are all linked up. We see this more explicitly in verses 16 through 18. Um, and, and it explains that God did things the way he did so that the promise might be secure or reliable for those who are linked to Abraham either by just faith alone, which would be the Gentiles, or for those who are linked to him through circumcision and works of the law as well as faith that our uh, Christian Jews. Um, since it's based on grace, and this is something that he gets to here, since it's based on grace and appropriated through faith, everyone can inherit it. Inherit it. So again, we're answering some of those questions asked earlier. Who, why, how. Uh, because it's in grace, through faith, everyone can inherit it. He is citing these two Old Testament uh, verse, uh, scriptures here. Genesis 15.5 and 17.5 as evidence that Abraham was to be the forefather of Jews and Gentiles alike. Um, I have made you the father of many nations, uh, verse 17. Uh, one maybe last uh, point to bring out here, which is really cool in verses 18 through 25, where Paul is kind of going through this uh, another account of Abraham's life and the difficulty of having a son. But Abraham never doubted that God could bring him a son. And again, that is a, an extolling of Abraham's faith again. But what's really cool is Paul's true belief here in, in creatio et nihilio, which is this creation out of nothing, uh, and how he ties this to the birth of Isaac. Just like the creation of the world and all of matter was brought into being from nothingness, Isaac is brought into being from nothingness. Sarah didn't have the ability to uh, produce um, the bareness of Sarah's womb, he mentions in verse 19, 
but God is one who can create out of nothing in verse 17. So uh, again, this is a, an, an extolling of Abraham's faith, but there is this really cool argument for uh, creation out of nothing. In verses 20 through 21, uh, a, a scholar by the name of Barrett makes a really cool point when he refers to what God hope is, and this is the, the hope that he says Abraham has uh, in verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Uh, Barrett comments that it's when human hope is exhausted that God-given hope comes into effect. In the midst of human death and non-existence, it looks to God who quickens and creates, which is a really cool way of putting everything here that was in, especially verses 20 through 22 here, in Abraham never losing faith. I hope you and I never lose faith. Continually to rem- continually remind yourself of the promises that God has made. He is sure to fulfill. He is one who cannot go back on his character. He is one who cannot lie. He is true when he has made promises to protect, to guide, to give understanding, to, to give salvation when the day comes. Those are all things that God is sure to do and is something that you and I definitely need to take hope in. I hope this has been a good study for you. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Come back tomorrow and uh, as as Chris finishes out chapter 4. Y'all have a great day. Peace and love.